This is Big Sports Radio, SEC edition. Now with your hosts, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Big Sports Radio, SEC edition, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. Glad you're here with us. Uh, fellas, as we get into this, uh, getting into November now and kind of getting down to the end of the season, um, you know, kind of seeing where these uh, teams uh, play out. We'll talk a lot about the SEC this week. Hey, by the way, real special guest coming up here in the bottom of the hour, uh, Danny Sheridan, who is the uh, veteran college football analyst. He joins us, and we'll talk about uh, some of the key games coming up here to watch um, in college football here later on at the season. Uh, big key game this week, guys. It's always one of the biggest on the calendar, uh, SEC West Battle. A um, couple of uh, former national champions. They have been outstanding uh, in the past uh, 10, 15 years. LSU up at Alabama. Uh, guys, you know what? Say what you want about the Tide and waiting for them to to fall off, but they're right there undefeated in SEC play and headed toward Atlanta, it seems. Yeah, this is the game. I mean, I, I think this will really put them in a great position to to win the SEC. Obviously, there's still more games to play, and you never want to say um, that's, you know, that's going to happen. But, you know, with, with games against Kentucky and Auburn left on the SEC schedule, if they get by LSU, they're in a really good spot. Yeah, I mean, the tide is high and they're rolling on. Um, I look at <laughs> – <laughs> How no, many cliches how, can you throw I'm, into one statement? I'll tell you, it's hard to get Blondie worked into a SEC show, but I've managed to do it. Um, you know, I, I think this is an interesting game because, you know, early on people wrote off Nick Saban, and it's so amazing how fans and opponents like to do that. When you look at his resume, you wonder how they ever can think to do that. If you want to complain about Mike Kegley, call me. <laughs> Get, get, be prepared for a busy signal. <laughs> not sure Mike got that one. I was trying to join in the fun. Uh, yes. So Blondie references aside, uh, apologies to Deborah Harry. Um, you know, this is one of those games um, that, you know, it's funny. You talk about LSU and, and Brian Kelly and, um, you know, like them or not. Um, this is one of those games that I think we've talked about before. It feels like LSU is kind of gearing up. Um, they're not going to roll over for this tied team. No, they can score. And LSU has a fantastic offense. And so it's going to come. Their defense though is very suspect. So it's going to be a fun game. Can they score enough points uh, against Alabama? Yeah, I think this is going to be the, the battle of, of that, that LSU offense. And then can they outscore what the LSU defense gives up? Well, joining us about with this matchup, uh, always one of the best games uh, of the year. LSU at Alabama. Joe Gaither joining us right now, staff writer for BamaCentral.com, also host of Joe Gaither uh, Show, the podcast on Bama Central. Hey, Joe, welcome to uh, Big Sports Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, we're excited too. Listen, um, this is a game, you know, look, I, I think that the, the national media kind of looks at Alabama. They're waiting for, Rick, for, for Nick Saban to lose. They're waiting for, you know, a chink in the armor. But here we are once again, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide uh, with only one loss, that being out of conference and cruising right along. What kind of concern, though, do you have with this game that LSU is a game that always gives Bama fits year in, year out, no matter where they are in the standings or the rankings? 
Well, the talent for both squads is very, very equal each and every year. And uh, I think now, I mean, no disrespect to Ed Orgeron, but I think the uh, the coaching, I think Brian Kelly has gotten the organization level up of uh, up at, at, with the LSU Tigers. And, and really, Jaden Daniels, probably the best player in college football this year. I think if I had a Heisman vote, I'd vote for him. And their offense has been humming at such a high level. I really like the Alabama defense, but it's going to be up to the Alabama defense to get a couple of stops and give the Alabama offense a little bit of time to get their feet underneath them in this game uh, because the Alabama offense has been very inconsistent this season. Take me back, though, to the Texas game. Um, Longhorns come in to Bryant-Denny. They, they get the win. Uh, Coach Sarkeesian, the former assistant, et cetera, et cetera. What concerns were there at that time among Tide Nation that, you know what, you you lose Bryce Young, you lose all these players, this, this program always does the NFL. What kind of concern was there around this program at that time? And how is that different from, you know, fast forward a month later, and here we are, beginning of November? Well, the big, big concern was along both offensive and defensive lines. Quinn Ewers didn't really get touched at all in that game, and the pressure for the Alabama defense has really ramped up in the six weeks after that game. But then on the other side of the football, goodness gracious, Texas was getting home with three and four rushers. They weren't having to call very many blitzes. The Alabama offensive line was in shambles. And Jalen Milrow, even dummy, I mean, obviously his inexperience uh, is, is easy for everyone to have seen. That was only the second week in the season. He was having trouble making through making it through his reads he <laughs> ended up throwing two bad interceptions that that set L- uh, texas's offense up with short fields uh, and since then he's been much more careful with the football now some of that carefulness or some of that cautiousness has resulted in more sacks but you haven't turned the ball over near as much uh the offensive line slowly but surely coming together and the alabama defense has really ramped up its aggression so you've seen both uh, lines of scrimmage uh take significant improvements since that texas game yeah. You talk about Milrow's improvement and his maturation. I think that we all can see it, but obviously you've got a front row seat to this. Um, what did the the benching um in, in the game when Buckman took, you know, came in, didn't do well, right? You come back and still get the win later. What did how did that what role did that play in his maturation as a as a quarterback and, and as a football player? I think the uh, the benching again it was South Florida. You played Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson. Both get both of them played in the game, and both of them played less than uh, less than stellar. I think it really allowed the Alabama Nation to say, "Okay, this is Jalen Milrow is our guy," and really the team kind of uh, got a chance to see the other two quarterbacks. And I think the team really rallied around Jalen Milrow. I think he, uh, you know, I think he took that benching pretty hard that week. I think Coach Saban uh, kind of told him this was the plan this week, and I don't know that he responded very well during the early part of that week but really I think later in the week he said okay I gotta be a good teammate gotta get the guys ready and Alabama kind of trudged through that South Florida game and ever since then it's been it's been Jalen Milrow's squad he ended up playing with Ole Miss, playing against Ole Miss the next week and a lot of people were concerned about the Ole Miss matchup considering their good offense and they've had a great season since since that game but I think that he's shown a great level of maturity of uh, a great you know a, a big step forward in his in his leadership for the Alabama Crimson Talking with uh, Joe Gaither here, once again, of BamaCentral.com about this matchup Saturday night. Uh, it's the big one, as always, Alabama uh, playing host to LSU um, in this one. You know, looking at the schedule, obviously you take it, you know, the coaches speak one week at a time, don't look ahead, et cetera. Um, but you've got this matchup, and then you have three games um, that should be W's for, for the Tide, right? I mean, Kentucky, Chattanooga, um, you know, Auburn game this year is over at Jordan at Jordan-Hare. Um, you know, this is a a program, I think, that right now, and it's funny, 
it reminds me a bit of, of a few years ago when Alabama didn't make the SEC title game and Nick Saban lobbied on CBS pregame, halftime and postgame, and they finally they got the bid to get in there. Um, <laughs> it doesn't it, it, it feels like this is one that Alabama is going to, um, you know, is, is going to be in the game uh, this year. Again, you've got a long way to go on this. Um, what are the prospects right now? And, and I guess what you know, if you get you, you, you've got about 15 teams, it feels like going for these four spots. It feels like Georgia and either Michigan or Ohio State are going to grab two of those. Um, if you're Alabama, um, obviously you've got to go on the field and produce. But if you're a if you're a one loss team, along with several other one loss teams, how do you make that argument that you should get one of those other two spots? Well, really, if you're Alabama, uh, and not a lot of Alabama fans want to hear this, but you got to continue to pull for Georgia. Georgia's got got the rest of their season left to go, and I think beating a number one Georgia in the SEC championship game, an undefeated back-to-back national champion, and definitely give them their flowers and their crown. But you beat them in the SEC championship game, then you're in at that point. I mean, you're not going to leave out an SEC champion uh, with and with the landscape of the rest of college football. Honestly, if you lose in that SEC championship game, you're out. Uh, and and you can't really make any argument over Washington, over maybe a Texas, Oklahoma, a Texas beating you at home already, over Georgia, who will, will have beaten you in that game. And then obviously Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State as well. There's so many contenders, as you just outlined. Alabama's just got to continue to win its games and kind of hope that Georgia stands up there as the number one team in that last weekend of the season. And you can beat the number one team and maybe sneak in at that three and four spot. There you go. That's a very compelling 90-second elevator speech right there. Joe Gaither has has got it. There's no question. Um, Okay, Saturday night uh, against uh, the Bayou Bengals, uh, keys to the game. What does Alabama Alabama have to do to, to get this win? Well, you got to start fast if you're Alabama. The defense has to be ready. And even if you give up that first drive touchdown as they gave up against Tennessee, I think that you really need to continue to dig in. I mean, Tennessee's offense played pretty well the rest of the half, but Alabama's defense got a lot of red zone stops and allowed the offense to kind of find its footing. I think the offense needs to not take near as long to find its footing. The biggest thing for for the offense is no turnovers. You can't give LSU extra possessions. That offense will, will, will make you pay for extra possessions. I've also got... Sound tackling. Goodness gracious, the LSU skill position players are incredible. Coach Saban really, for the first time this year on Monday, named every skill position player on, on the roster. Usually he sticks to, oh, the quarterback's really good and the oh, and the whole team is really good. But he he singled out all the skill position guys. So it's going to be – you're going to need to have sound tackling at the second level uh, with Logan Diggs, with, 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 uh, with, with all their great receivers. Goodness gracious. Uh, Mason Taylor, the tight end as well. So it's going to – you're going to have to have sound tackling start for – and you can't turn the football over. I'm going to give you kind of a, a, a bit of a curveball here to finish off, but I know that you're the guy that can answer this as someone who has covered um, this program for so many years. Um, back to, again, Alabama being right now a one-loss team, uh, still in the hunt for a playoff bid, national championship. Do you see in this team what you've seen in other Alabama national championship teams um, or are they maybe just one step behind that level from your your perspective? Well, really, I think that they compare best to the 2015 national championship team, the Jake Coker. I mean, there's no Derrick Henry in the backfield. That's so much. That's very obvious. But you've got the offense that kind of finds their way through. The 2015 defense allowed the, the offense to kind of go through slow starts. But the Alabama Anaconda slowly chokes out their, their opponent. You saw that against Tennessee. Started off slow. All the Alabama people said, oh, my gosh, you're going to lose. And then it ends up in a 14-point win. Same thing with Ole Miss. You go into the locker room behind and you end up 
up with covering the spread again. He didn't cover against Arkansas because you let your foot off the gas, but really, the Al- I-, I think they compare best to 2015. Now, are they as talented as that team? No, there's no Derrick Henry Heisman Trophy winner in the backfield. Maybe you compare them to 09 just a little bit there with the, the Greg McElroy year where, I mean, but again, no, no Mark Ingram or Trent Richardson in the backfield there or Julio Jones out there playing receiver. So I think they compare a little bit to those two teams, but probably just a step behind them on the, uh, as, as far as talent wise, especially at the skill positions. All right. His name is Joe Gaither. He covers uh, Alabama each and every week. Uh, again, staff writer, uh, BamaCentral.com. Also, he's hosted the Joe Gaither Show, the podcast on Bama Central. Be sure to give it a listen as you get ready for this big matchup. Prime time in uh, Tuscaloosa, the Tide and the LSU Tigers. Joe, hey, appreciate your time. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks so much. I will look forward to doing it again. All right. Sounds good. Joe Gaither joining us right here on Big Sports Radio, SEC Edition. We're back with more in just a moment. And coming up in uh, just a few moments here, we've got uh, Danny Sheridan coming on. And we'll get his thoughts uh, on some of the uh, uh, these coaching changes, possibly, who's on the hot seat, whose seat maybe is not as hot as you might think. Uh, he's the guru. We'll talk to him coming up here on Big Sports Radio. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022 and right now you can get vivens home security technology for about a dollar a day plus get free professional installation from a licensed technician protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day call right now for your free home security consultation 800-613-8053-800-613-8053 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Back here on Big Sports Radio, SEC edition, Larry, Mike, and Brad. Um, let's talk more about this uh, Georgia-Missouri game. Guys, you know, on paper, it's one of these you know, UGA, we've talked about, they, they they roll on and roll on and they've won, you know, as Brad has said, a, you know, gazillion games in a row. Um, but Missouri's always had their number, only one and 11 all time, but none of these have been easy. It feels like that Missouri always has the lead, like going into the fourth quarter and Georgia's got to come from behind to get the win, um, be it in Athens or in Columbia. This one, luckily for the Bulldogs, is at home in Georgia. Yeah, you look at last year's game is 19-12 going to the fourth quarter, and Georgia pulls it out 26-22, um, outscoring Missouri 14 to 3 in the fourth. So obviously that one's in Columbia. So a little bit different atmosphere in, in Georgia. But this Missouri team's good. I, I think a lot of times, you know, we forget they're they're pretty darn good. They've only got the one loss. They really seem to be playing better each week. So, you know, they they're competitive and they're gonna make it tough. Georgia still has to play well to win the game. They can't just show up and beat this Missouri team. They have to show up and ready to be ready to go. Yeah, and I do think that, um, you know, as it goes, Missouri's going to have uh, some – they still have an uphill climb, you know, on the road, one of the toughest places to play. But Drinkwitz is good. You, 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 you kill them with kindness. This is kind of the anti, you know uh, – uh, anti-Lane Kiffin strategy of, um, you know, 
coaching wars where you just talk about how great the other guy is and maybe that'll help. I'm not thinking it will, but it's an interesting approach that we'll see. Maybe he's stumbling onto something new. Press conferences will not be very interesting if the, if Missouri ends up winning this week because coaches will decide they're all going to do the don't complimentary. You, don't you want to see a coach say, these guys suck. We're going to kill them. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, we'll give, give Dion give Dion time and a little bit better roster. It might happen. No, it may happen Fair. next year, year after. Yeah. What Mike is talking about is uh, Eli Drinkwitz in his uh, weekly news conference this week, uh, just glowing to the point that you feel like, a, you know, back in antiquity, he would have like a dagger behind his back as he's saying all these things. Listen in and we'll talk about it. <laughs> there's Yeah, there's no question. There's something. He almost feels like he, you know, it's it's a little over the top. Like I think, I think it's great to say good things about the other coach, but it almost seems like a a Lane Kiffin level trolls, like you know, so that so that he'll Kirby Smart will be like, oh, he thinks I'm great, he he loves me. <laughs> Kirby Smart will if they lose the game. Kirby Smart first thing he'll say to Eli is a two brute. <laughs> <laughs> Missouri uh, at Georgia in this one. And uh, again, one of the games we're watching, you know, look, give Missouri credit. You know, every year we begin the season and there there's a handful of teams that you wonder which team's going to come up and be that other team, right? In, in the SEC, you've always got Georgia and Alabama up there. Um, Ole Miss has become a regular um, up there, but what's the other team going to be? Is it going to be a Kentucky or, or Missouri or these days, a, a Florida going to jump up or Texas A&M? Uh, Ole Miss is now, as I mentioned, kind of jumped in. Um, now Missouri has gotten there and and having one of their, the best seasons. I mean, on the verge, one of the best seasons ever. Uh, and I think certainly the best since they've, um, uh, you know, been in the SEC. And it's been what about, I think it's been 10 years since they reached the uh, SEC title game uh, and lost to Auburn there in the Georgia Dome. Yeah. And so you look at this squad and if let's, let's just say Missouri wins this game. They they are now with a win over Georgia and wins over Kentucky and a win over a Kansas State team that actually looks pretty good now, right? And, and then you you got Tennessee and Florida and Arkansas. You start thinking about them if they win this game, they're like, whoa, these guys could be the guys that are in the SEC championship game and playing to get in that college football playoff. That'd be, I mean, but you got to beat Georgia. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have to happen, but they're not that far away. No, and and they're one of those programs that that again they they raise up every once in a while and have a really good season, and there there's there's talent that they put they get on the field and they're they they've got a good recruiting pipeline throughout the the Midwest and down into the Southeast and even into Texas and and you know that Drinkwitz has been a very very good coach and when Missouri has a good coach like they had you know years ago. Uh, that team can put out a pretty good product on a consistent basis. And I don't think fans remember that because, you know, that was mainly back in their Big 12 era when they were doing that. So it's Missouri at Georgia, 3.30 Eastern kick uh, on CBS. Stay with us. Danny Sheridan joins the conversation up next. Life can be full of risks. 
One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans, and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-373-8414. 800-373-8414. That's 800-373-8414. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. A little coaching news here and Brad Sturdy's Raiders looking for uh, a new full-time head coach. Josh McDaniels is gone. You know, second verse, same like the first. This really resembled in so many ways his tenure at Denver. He does one full season and then he's fired before the second season ends. Yeah, it was it was time. Definitely time to, to make a change. They just look incompetent. And I know that's, I, I, it's just sad. I'm a Raiders fan, as you guys know, and it's hard to watch. Al well, Davis is still rolling in his grave. <laughs> he started it. Um, now, I, I think the interesting thing is, is I think he's the first coach in the Super Bowl era to be fired twice before completing two years. And wow. I think, I think the thing that we'll find out is it was Tom Brady. That's why his offense works so well in New England. <laughs> Could be. He's, he's like the modern-day Marion Campbell. He just keeps getting head coaching jobs despite losing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So uh, Raiders move on past uh, Josh McDaniel. But listen, we stay with the coaching thing. Uh, Clemson's Dabble Sweeney um, having a tough season. And, uh, boy, some of the fans down at Clemson and in South Carolina really coming hard at this guy forgetting that they were in, in a you know veritable desert for the past, you know, three decades, right? Until he comes in, um, you know, what, you know, 10 win seasons consecutively for a decade plus. Uh, but here's what happened earlier this week when um, uh, when a caller called in and and let him have it, Dava went right back at him. Let's listen. So to answer your question, I started as the lowest paid coach in this freaking business, all right? And I'm where I am because I've worked my ass off every single day and i ain't gonna let some smart kid get on this phone and create this stuff so if you got a problem with that i don't care all right it, i work for for the board of trustees the president and the ad and if they're tired of me leading this program all they gotta do is let me know i'll go somewhere else where there is an appreciation all right it's not just winning it's how you win and we are in a bit, this is a tough year, but we've had 12, 12, 10 plus win seasons in a row. 12. We lost to Tennessee last year. They won 11 games for the first time in like 20 years. We've had eight, 11 win seasons in, in whatever, 11 years or whatever. We've won two national championships. Clemson went 35 years. All right. Probably since before you were born your whole freaking life. And we've won two in seven years and we earned it and we beat the best of the best to do it. The best of the best. 12, 10 plus win scenes. So if you want to know why, that's why. Am I perfect? Nope. I'm far from it. I am a, and I am a man of faith. 
Absolutely. All right. I'm 53 years old and there ain't one thing in my life. I, now I have, I have been a part of failure many times, but there ain't one thing in my life that I've ever failed at Tyler. Never. All right. Ever. I wanted to get an education. I got two degrees. I wanted to be the first college of my graduate, with my family. I did it. I wanted to go play football at Alabama. I earned a scholarship, letter three years, worked my ass off, won a national championship. I wanted to get into coaching. I worked my way to being a head coach. And when I got this job, and I'm sure you didn't want me to get this job, all right, and 15 years later, I'm still here. And I'd say the results are what they are, and I stand on them. So you don't ever have to call back. I, I wanted to get married. I've been married for going on 30 years. I wanted to be a father. I've raised three great sons. If you don't like how I run the program, don't be a fan. I don't care. But I'm the head coach, and I'm going to do what I believe is right for the long term of this program, what's best for the players, and what I think is best for the moment. If you got a problem with that, that's fine. But you're not, I'm not going to sit here and let you call. I don't give a crap how much money I make. You ain't going to talk to me. Like I'm like I'm 12 years old. That's really fun stuff. I mean, you know, thing is, I, I, I think sometimes, you know, you know, fans take things like, you know, they, they move things to a personal level. I, I think sometimes towards coaches, I, I don't care how much people make. That doesn't give you a right to treat them a certain way. But at the same time, I do understand frustration because the expectations at Clemson are not to be four and four. And Dabo would agree with that, that the expectations are not to be four and four. So now it's just a matter of, but every guy is going to have a bad year. It happens. And so, you know, his job is just to rebound and uh, next year and have a good year. Look, most of us played sports in junior high and high school. So because you played sports in junior high and high school doesn't mean that your opinion is on an equivalent level with a coach who's won two national titles. And while People believe that they have the right to an opinion, and they certainly do. It doesn't mean that their opinion is valid or needs to be heard. And social media and sometimes um, radio shows, that was just not the best producer to allow that guy on the show. Because I'm not certain what he expected Dabo to say. It, and, and again, I'm not saying Dabo handled it great. But at some point, you know, if you're an accountant, you don't expect some guy to show up off the street who took an accounting class in high school who's going to lecture you on lecture an accountant on how they're doing the tax preparation for their clients. And this is a very similar type of situation. Mike, what if they stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, though? Well, then, then all bets are off. But okay, then, just then, making then, sure. Then just they could very sure. well know exactly what they're talking about. I'm not a big Dabo fan, but I have to be honest with you, with some of the ridiculous things that I hear on talk radio, I actually was kind of cheering for him. And it took me back to Mike Ditka when he told that guy years ago, I'm at whatever, whatever, whatever address the Bears headquarters was, you drive down here and I'll whip your ass. <laughs> and I think I really felt like we were that was the modern day equivalent of Mike Ditka. <laughs> I go to my CPA all the time and I, you know, argue the merits of FIFO and LIFO. So, you know, yeah, I don't know what I was talking about. But by the way, we should we got and we got to get going here. Uh, let's keep in mind Clemson's lost both of their coordinators uh, in recent years. Uh, one went to be the head coach of Virginia, 
and one went to Oklahoma. And so again, uh, let's not, let's be fair. That changes things. All right. Uh, quick timeout. And then we will talk some more. You're listening to big sports radio, SEC edition. Joining us now on the show, as we have talked about, so excited to have him back, Danny Sheridan, college football analyst, uh, prognosticator, expert, uh, fan, and friend to the show. Danny, good to talk to you again. Great to see you again, Larry, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll get lucky this week. Yeah, I I, th- I think we will. Hey, let's start off. We want to get into um, you know talking about some games here. Um, you know, Georgia has run right through. We keep saying this is a team that oh my, they're they're susceptible. And yet they just keep blowing teams out. Really good matchup this week against Ole Miss. What do you see in this one? Well, first of all, I I, I think the best teams at preseason, I thought, and I still think that Georgia will lose a game. And I'll somewhat contradict myself. Well, not really. I think Georgia's the best team in the country, even if they lose a game. And they, like you said, Ole Miss, uh, they finish with Missouri, Ole Miss at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech, who's playing very well. So I could see them losing a game, and I do see them being in the Final Four. And again, they're the best team, in my humble opinion. Not by much, but the best team in the country. You know, they they definitely certainly put down Florida easy enough last week. And I, and I think the team that everybody is kind of interested in, and it was all silent for a few days, but with the swirl around Michigan with off-the-field controversy and yet on the field they've been so dominant what are we seeing from what are you seeing from them coming up well uh michigan first of all let's be fair they play 11 well they play 10 vanderbilts so when you say they're dominant <laughs> yeah i guess they are dominant hell i'd be dominant too they they've won the first three vanderbilt games without their coach so that ought to show you something but they have a two-game schedule. It's not like Alabama or Georgia or anybody in the SEC. And you know the two games. It's Penn State and uh, Ohio State. Let me go on the record as saying I said it this summer. I still believe it. I think Ohio State, they've not looked as dominant as Michigan, but they played a tougher schedule. I see Ohio State upsetting Michigan. And I'm not – Penn State, Michigan, I don't have an opinion right now. If anything, I would lean to Penn State. But I truly believe that Ohio State is a better team, and this is Harbaugh's last year. I don't care if he wins a national championship or whatever he does. He's leaving for the pros if he gets an offer. I said this, I think, on Twitter in August, and his agent is out there shopping him around with the pro teams. This is his best team that he'll ever have, and that's another reason why he's leaving the leaving for the or will leave for the NFL. And then you throw in the coup de gras. He hates, like everybody else, the NCAA, and they're wearing his butt out. And that just push. Let me say this. If they weren't wearing his butt out, he would still leave. This just makes it a slam dunk if he gets an offer from an NFL team. So that's my thoughts on Michigan. I don't see him going undefeated. Yeah. I, I, or I'm making correct. the final four. Unlike everybody else. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's that's a big prediction there. I want to correct one thing: Missouri this week against Georgia, not Ole Miss. We, we, we I don't I don't want to go back though. Tony, I do want to. I mean, uh, Danny. Well, let me say, Larry. Larry, they do play Ole Miss in two weeks. They right. play first Missouri, Ole yeah. Miss, and then they finish up at Tennessee, which right. I know Tennessee hadn't been great. They're capable of getting up. Listen, Auburn got up for Georgia, and they're capable of getting up. And at Georgia Tech, it's not an easy schedule. Let me say this. Ohio State and Michigan wouldn't want to finish up with those teams. Right. 
Yeah, totally agree. I want to get back to the Michigan thing you mentioned in terms of this whole thing of the stealing signs and the low-level guy going to 30 different games. And, you know, it's kind of ironic that TCU is the one team that, you know, that said, oh, yeah, we we knew they were stealing signs. So that's why we did some fake signs. By the way, Michigan lost that game. Uh, What does that, how does that play out in your opinion and what you're hearing right now? Sounds like that Harbaugh, they've pulled the contract extension offer from him. um, And so it sounds like there are some changes coming in Ann Arbor. Well, I don't think they would make a change. I think Harbor is going to make the change. And as far as stealing signs, I can't say I don't know a university that doesn't do it. Hell, I know Vanderbilt doesn't do it, and they're the smartest one of all. But it's just a common thing, and it's sort of like, I'll try to give you an analogy, Larry, like you can run a stop sign by going, you stop and you guide through it. You get a ticket. Or you can run the damn stop sign, you get the same ticket. He's uh, he's he's running the stop sign and he got it's like someone once said to me, I don't know who it was. It was a great line. He goes, you haven't done anything wrong unless you get caught. And that's Jim Harbaugh. And he gets caught a lot of doing a lot of stuff. I don't accuse him of a cheater. I think he's a great coach. His brother's a sensational coach. Hell, they both win the Super Bowl. But back to your question, I guarantee you, every, not everyone, but a lot of schools do that. I mean, I've seen, I remember once I asked uh, late Terry Donahue, he had his practice field. I said, gee whiz, Terry, aren't you worried about people looking at your practice field? He goes, we don't close our practice field like everybody else does. He said, we just, it's UCLA. We can't do it. We have to leave it open. In other words, he knows everybody cheats. Coach Brian kept his fat practice field, uh, you know, it's a huge cover around it. And so does Ohio State and so does everybody else. Why? And why do they try to not let people cheat during games because they know they are and they don't want to lose that small edge. That's a garrulous answer. But if you think Michigan is the only team that's doing that, they're just the only team that's blatant enough to get caught, then I'll sell you some great swamp land in Florida. <laughs> didn't didn't use the same credit card, right, Mike? <laughs> didn't Jerry Tarkanian say that nine out of 10 teams are cheating and number 10 is in last place? That is correct. He also said that every time they get mad with UCLA, they put, I think it was not Fresno State. I can't remember the team it's with. Pardon? Long Beach State. Yeah, Long Beach State. So they get mad with UCLA, get mad with the NCAA gets mad with UCLA. They put us on probation at Long (laughs) Beach State. There's a lot of truth to that. And what Jerry said, Mike, is right. Uh, It's true. Hey, again, what do you, first of all, let's just assume they cheat. He cheated every game and gets the signals. You don't think these coaches change the signals and you don't think they disguise them every game. They got, it looks like a bunch of cheerleaders with 50 people giving signals. I don't know how in the hell they do it, but that's another, by that, I mean, how they get the signals in, but that's why they have, and that's another thing. I'm surprised that someone, and they may have, haven't figured out how to get into the coach's mic upstairs and find out what the coaches, defensive and offense coaches are calling. I guarantee you that's happening, but no one's figured that out yet. Now, now out of the South, you know, uh, many of us grew up with Bobby Bowden and Florida State being a team that had to be dealt with every year. Is this Florida State team, are, are, is, is this being reborn or are they pretenders? I can't remember what I said about a month or so ago on your show, but I picked uh, Florida State to go undefeated. I think they have a they have the best team that money can buy. A, a uh, let's see, he was a safety. I can't think he was our cornerback. He's in the 2024 class uh, draft club, draft. I guess it is like a draft now, but he's in the 24-24 uh, recruiting class. And 
he went to a, a prominent school, SEC school, and said, I want to sign with you. And I don't know if I mentioned this last time we spoke. And they offered him, they being Florida State, $50,000 a month. He told the SEC school that, and they wished him well. And he committed to Florida State. That's just a drop of the hat. This quarterback of Florida State is sensational. They, they're they a well-coached team, and I see them being in the Final Four. This is not jumping on the bandwagon. I picked them to beat Clemson preseason and during the week of the game, and I picked them to win the ACC. And I'm glad they won't match up with Clemson again because it's tough to beat a team twice in a year. But the best chances to go undefeated would be Florida State and then maybe – Ohio State, because I think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan. If you're looking at odds, obviously, you'd say Michigan. Yeah. Unless I miss somebody. Oh, and we're going to cover Washington. There's no way in hell Washington's going undefeated, but I'll wait till you ask me. That's my next question. In fact, actually, yeah, Pac-12, boy, it has been exciting to watch Washington, uh, to see what Oregon has done uh, right up there. A couple of key matchups still to come. Utah just lost last week, but they're at Washington. Oregon size USC at home. Who comes out of that uh, that Pac-12 uh, scrum? Could we see two teams from the Pac-12 in the in the playoff? Well, I don't think we're going to see any in the playoffs. It's possible you might see one. I look for uh, Washington to lose this weekend to Southern Cal. They've got a. I don't have in front of me Oregon State, Washington State, Washington. They got a very good team, but I again I see them losing one or two games. And you say, who's going to come out? Maybe they'll throw a bone to Oregon. Or if Washington fools me and only loses one game, maybe they'll throw a bone to them. But I don't, you know, again, it's just me. I don't think, I think the Pac-10, they play great football, but I don't think they could survive playing some of the teams in the Big Ten and the SEC. I don't think so. But that's me. But we'll find out. And we'll some start out with this weekend. I think Washington will lose to Southern Cal. I'll be very – there's, I don't know how many, four or five-point favorite. I'll be, I know Southern Cal has been playing lousy. This is the game they're going to play the best they can. And they've got a nice team that money can buy. And we'll see. If they don't upset them, uh, I'd, I'd be real – Washington goes through the next four games. Again, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's Oregon State, Washington State. You know, brutal rivalries. And I, I can't think of the fourth one. They go through that – Hell yeah, they ought to be in there, and I would have underestimated them, but I'm not going to underestimate them. They're going to lose one or two games. Oregon, I don't have their schedule in front of me. They're you know pretty tough game, a pretty a brutal loss. What a three point loss at at Washington. Oregon's pretty good, but again, I don't see those teams are going to be huge underdogs if they match up with Ohio State or Michigan. I was going to say Alabama, but I don't see Alabama getting in there. But Georgia would be a would just pop it to one of those teams. And, and if you go back two years ago, Oregon was pretty damn good. And I think Georgia dismantled them, what, 40-something to seven or something? Who do you see coming out of the Big 12? I mean, do you know, Oklahoma just got you know upset by Kansas without their starting quarterback. And Texas is looking mortal without Quinn Ewers. Well, uh, Preseason, I picked Oklahoma to beat Texas and picked them the week of the game. I'm not bragging. And I picked them to win their conference. What bothers me is, I know what you just said is correct. I, I love Kansas this weekend. Not to win the game, but plus eight or nine. And it didn't surprise me because you just, college football, you can't get up every week. But back to Oklahoma, what bothers me about my prediction, and I didn't realize it at the time, Oklahoma, and I still expect this to happen, 
will probably play Texas again. And you can't beat a team twice in a season. I don't think you can if both teams are good. That's a big handicapping advantage when the loser takes the field. So I'm probably going to be wrong there, not because Oklahoma lost to Kansas. I think Oklahoma is going to struggle this week also, Larry, but uh, excuse me, Larry, Mike, but I don't, uh, I still am staying with Oklahoma, but I'm, I don't think I'll be correct there for what I just said to you because I think they'll match up with Texas. And I'm not so sure Texas is not going to lose another game. And you're high on Texas. I'm not. I think Texas got a great team, but they're not. I think Oklahoma's much better. Not a little better. Much better when they're at full strength. But we'll see. Always great stuff from our friend Danny Sheridan. Danny, we appreciate your time. Look forward to talking to you again. Okay, Larry. Thank you. All right. Appreciate Danny Sheridan. Once again, college football experts, analysts, uh, guru, um, and, and, and a fan. And like we said, he's also a friend here to the show. Uh, stay with us. Much more to come after this. Okay. Alternate end. Hold on one second. And three, two, one. Once again, Danny Sheridan joining us. Uh, always good to have him here on the show. By the way, for those of you staying for the second hour, Danny's agreed to stay with us and we'll talk uh, coaching. Um, who's on the hot seat? Who are some teams that uh, are not looking to make a change? Uh, we'll kind of weed through all that and get Danny's thoughts in just a few minutes here on Big Sports Radio. Attention business owners. Have you filed for your employee retention credit and been approved? Are you now waiting for your refund check from the IRS instead of waiting months to a year plus? How would you like to get your ERC money in about 10 days? Now you can. With ERCMoneyUpfront.com, we help business owners that have filed their employee retention credit and been approved to get their money faster. If you're getting between $75,000 and $5 million, we could get you up to a 70% advance on that money in about 10 days. To learn more about how you can get your ERC money faster, call this number right now. Speak with one of our funding specialists and have a text sent to your cell phone with details. 800-279-0419. 800-279-0419. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. This is not a loan product except in California. An offer is not available in the state of Massachusetts. What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys that help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now. 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. You're listening to Big Sports Radio, SEC edition. Well, hail to the World Series champs, the Texas Rangers. Uh, Wow. Four games to one. They really, and and what a way to close it out with that 5-0 win over uh, the D-backs. Yeah, amazing, amazing deal there. Eleven and zero on the road in the postseason. I, I, I've wow. obviously never heard of anything like that. And Corey Seager is the new Mister October, right? He's 
And he's maybe not replacing Reggie, but uh, you know, he he and Reggie are the only two to do it on different teams. They're position players. Yeah, and what Colfax and what Gibson also won, you know, uh, multiple MVP awards. And, you know, it's interesting because now we're down to, what, five teams that haven't won a World Series title. So it, it, it's it's getting to be a short list. And, and I will tell you that towards the end of the season down here, the fans started to really believe in the Texas Rangers. And usually the Cowboys kind of rule the roost and people started to pay attention to the Rangers. Wow. Is it the new stadium they built to replace the new stadium? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they're building like, wait, they just built one. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, they, well. they got the old coach, Bruce Bochy, and the new stadium. And there you go. There you go. So hail to the Rangers. And they finally break through. A lot of long suffering down there deep in the heart of. Uh, well, hey, let's uh, talk a little college football rankings. The first uh, playoff rankings coming out this week. It's not Michigan or Georgia on top. Ohio State. Uh, gets the one seed as it stands at this moment, and then Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State. Uh, you guys were saying uh, earlier that uh, you kind of uh, you pr- pr- pretty much agree with this. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's I'm not saying that Ohio State's the best team, but they've done the most. You know, they, they've won the games. You know, they've got the best wins. And so until Georgia really plays a, a you know stronger competition or Michigan as well, I, mean, I think they're both over the hundreds in, in strength of schedule. So, yeah, I, I think it makes sense right now. Yeah, it's hard to argue with with any of it. And you got two signature wins, you know, with Penn State and Notre Dame. And the fact that Notre Dame can't count to 11, we're going to give them a pass on that. We'll still respect them in the morning. Um, but but Ohio State's, you know, has got that. And you wonder if Georgia is a little bit frustrated that uh, that they weren't allowed to play Oklahoma this year. You're just, yeah. And well, and that may look, if they lose a game and you get a lot of one loss teams that could come into play. Right. And as for you, you're just not gonna let the Irish get away and remind him of that walk of shame that they had from the field to the locker room. When you have to watch all those recruits leave your state school and go to Notre Dame, it you get bitter. <laughs> just clearly saying. exactly not that you're not that you not you you would ever be better um nba news uh, james harden finally gets the trade that he wants uh away from philadelphia there's no love left in the city of brotherly for james harden he goes to the clippers and joins a plethora of guys who played high school basketball in la who now play for the clippers um my question to both of you is does this move you at all i mean do you care <laughs> i so with James Harden, I look at it, I tell kids all the time, I said, you know, you can't get along with anybody. Eventually, it's not them. It, it's you. And so that's where I'm at with James Harden. You know, it, it's about him and, you know, how long until he's, you know, mad at these guys. So. Yeah, it's it's only a matter, a matter of time before he gets mad at another player, blames the coaches, blames the GM. I got to be honest with you. I would not have. I would have not have traded a pair of fingernail clippers for James Harden. He's shut down three teams. I have better things to do if I'm a general manager than put my team's fate in the hands of that man. And just wouldn't do it. Question for you guys. who Who's the bigger team killer, unity killer in the locker room, James Harden or Kyrie Irving? Yes. <laughs> you know the funny thing is is everybody they, likes Kyrie. Kyrie's though. got a ring though, doesn't he? He does. Like some, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, everybody seems to like Kyrie and and you know, but but I do think, you know, Harden 
you know, he hasn't won anything. He he is great for. I mean, he, I, I hear he's really good at taking him to strip joints. That's what I've heard. I, I don't know. That's the rumor, yeah. right? So yeah, maybe Harden. That's his. Yeah, I, I wasn't there, but that's right. All that glitters isn't gold, but it can be stripper glitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Cags wouldn't trade fingernail clippers, nor would he trade in Harden's case any kind of uh, beard clippers either. Uh, thank you. We're here all weekend. <laughs> Uh, hey, exactly. before we uh, take a quick break, uh, snowball penalty out at the uh, Colorado State Air Force game, the home team, big snowstorm out in Fort Collins. And so the referee calling the 15-yard penalty on Colorado State for the fans throwing snowballs onto the field. Come on, what's wrong with that? Yeah, it, it's wild. Isn't it? Eventually, we're going to have, what's going to happen? Maybe it's going to happen to Ohio State, Michigan. Somebody's going to get a <laughs> snowball penalty one of these years. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'll tell you what, in our day, if you would have said no more snowballs, that would have gotten a yeah. hail of snowballs yeah. thrown down. 10,000 snowballs <laughs> arriving. Exactly. All of a sudden, you're exactly right. All right. <laughs> the conversation uh, continues. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of Big Sports Radio SEC.